Today on Know the Truth, a lesson on marriage from Philip DeCourcy. Listen to these words from Alistair Begg in his book on marriage. It is less important to find a woman whose beauty comes from time spent in front of a parlor mirror than someone who is regularly before the mirror of the Word of God. See, his point is there's a debatable beauty and there's a desirable beauty, and the debatable beauty is outside, the desirable beauty is inside, and every young man ought to be looking for that. Next to following Christ, choosing a spouse is the most important decision you can make. So how can we be sure to make a wise choice? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy shares some marital wisdom from the book of Proverbs and lays out the most important qualities to look for when looking to marry. You'll find resources related to the subject when you go to ktt.org. But now let's join Pastor Philip as he begins part three of a message about the importance of choosing a spouse wisely. The message is called Looking to Marry. I was reading the other day about a husband shopping center that's opening up where a woman can go and choose a husband from a wide selection of men. I believe that this is housed in a building that has five floors. You can ascend the floor and take a look at the choice of men that are available, but the only rule is that if you open a door, you can't ascend to another floor. And um, if you go to another floor without opening the door, you can't go back down to the floor you've just left. And so I was reading about a couple of girlfriends that visited this shopping center. They went to the first floor, they found a door, and on the door were these words, these men have jobs and love kids. They thought to themselves, you know what, that's not a bad start, but since it's the first floor, let's hold on here. We'll see what's up on the second floor. So they climbed the stairwell, they got to the second floor, and on the door of the second floor were these words, These men have high-paying jobs, love kids, and they're extremely good-looking. They say to themselves, man, that's sounding even better than the first floor. If the second floor is better than the first floor, you can only guess what the third floor is going to be like. So they climbed the stairs and got to the third floor. There on the door were these words. These men have high-paying jobs, are extremely good-looking, love kids, and help with the housework. And they say to themselves, now you're talking. I mean, how good can it get? And one of them said, I think it can get even better on the fourth floor. Up they went, got to the fourth floor. There was the door. Sure enough, there was another sign. These words excited them. These men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, help with the housework, and have a strong romantic streak. They almost settled for that, but they decided to risk all and go to the fifth floor. They got to the fifth floor, and on the door were these words, This is just to prove that women are impossible to please. (laughs) Thank you for shopping. Have a nice day. Huh? Well, you know that's fiction, right? But there's something in it that made me think, and it's this. While some of us are in danger of looking for too much when it comes to a spouse, being unrealistic, not giving people a chance to grow, looking for the whole package out of the gate, I don't think the problem actually, as our story kind of hints at, is people looking for too much. I think the problem is, speaking pastorally and from what I've seen in counseling people, is that they're looking for 
less than what they should. They're settling for less than what the Bible encourages them to seek for. Marriage is a and it's such an important and influential issue if you think about it. And, and we can't approach it in any kind of superficial manner. We should be looking for what God seeks for us. And I think many young people, if they're not careful, will underinvestigate and underinvest when it comes to the relationship that leads to the marriage. And so I think that what we have been looking at here over a number of studies is worth our time because in Proverbs, we have these fathers who are writing to these sons about this very issue. Proverbs was written by some of the leaders in Israel, King Solomon one, King Hezekiah another, along with a few other wise men. They're writing to these emerging leaders, these young, strapping, red-blooded young men who are ready for life, who are ready for love, and they need the wisdom of God. They need to be directed in their thinking. They need to be controlled in their reactions. And they need to be um, pointed in the right direction in terms of their choices. And so these fathers write to their sons about the choices they ought to make concerning their spouses. They encourage them to embrace the thought of marriage with joy. If any man finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And as these young men seek a partner in life, these fathers warn them about what they ought to look for and how they ought to look concerning what they're looking for. And we have that great verse right at the end of the book. That's how important the subject is. It finishes on this very theme, that charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears God is to be praised. And we started to look at this issue under the whole matrix of beauty and the whole issue of attraction. And we extensively covered the idea of debatable beauty. That is beauty that simply sits on the surface. That is beauty in terms of physical form. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But you know what? If that's the first floor, you got to get up to the second and third and fourth floors in terms of what you're looking for. You got to get past the issue of uh, physical form and uh, attractiveness and prettiness based upon what you see. Because if you're not careful, the outside can mask something on the inside that you don't want. We looked at the immoral woman, the imprudent woman. Well, now we're picking up. That's on the negative side. Now we're moving towards the positive side. The book of Proverbs encourages us to look out for debatable beauty. But the book of Proverbs encourages us, secondly, to look out for desirable beauty. These fathers, in speaking to these sons, are encouraging them to remember that looking good is not the same as being good. And if they do find a woman they're attracted to physically, they've got to look beyond that and they ought to desire for an inner beauty, a, a character-based behavior on the part of this uh, young woman because there's the clear and present danger that we can, it's a human tendency, we can inflate the value of outside appearance while at the same time discounting the worth of inside qualities. I think we have one of our own proverbs that speaks to this. Never judge a book by its cover. That's a proverb. That's a, an axiom. That's a truth worth thinking about. And just as the contents of a book are far more important than its cover, so with people. The cover being the body. 
the contents being the life, the character, the behavior traits. The worth and significance of a person ought not to be determined by what you see, but by what you come to know about that person. Like God, we mustn't base our opinions upon physical form. In Proverbs 16, verse 2, we're reminded that's God's approach. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. The Lord looks at the heart. It takes us back, right, to Samuel's choice of a king to replace Saul among the sons of Jesse. You've got this line of strapping, you know, bronze-skinned, muscular young men. They're tall. They're handsome. In every way, they fit the bill in terms of a king. But God says to Samuel, no, he's not here. And Samuel says to Jesse, is this it? No, there's one young brother, the youngest. You know, he's out looking after the sheep. He's uh, kind of moving out of those teenage years into the young manhood. He's, he's uh, rosy-cheeked. His name's David. David's brought in compared to his brothers. He's not as intimidating physically speaking, but God says to Samuel, he's the one, anoint him. And, and we have that great verse in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that reminds us God doesn't see as we see. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but looks upon the heart. And we need to look the way God looks at things. A man's passion is more important than a man's fashion. How a person lives, biblically speaking, is far more important than how a person looks. And our young people need to remind themselves of that when they set out to find a partner in life. And even within marriage, you and I need to remind ourselves that how we live is far more important than how we look. Think with me about something that Erwin Lutzer got me thinking about. What did the Lord Jesus look like? You ever thought about that? Try to imagine that? Was he five foot two? Was he six foot one? Was he broad shouldered? Was he of a narrow frame? I have no idea. In fact, if we do have a clue, we've got Isaiah 53 verse two which says what? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Isn't that interesting? It was simply saying that the Lord Jesus in bodily form was not very imposing. He may have actually been five foot three rather than six foot two. His nose may have been bent. We, we just don't know. And you know what? We don't need to know, do we? Because that's not the issue. The loveliness of the Lord Jesus is not about his physical form. The significance of the Lord Jesus is all about that God was dwelling in all his fullness in that body. That God had given his son a body and though it is written in the volume of the book, he delighted to do God's will. Whatever the body was like, Jesus Christ used it to glorify the Father, train his disciples, heal the sick and ultimately give his hands to the cross, even the death of the cross for us. That's what counted. And that is a reminder that really a person's worth or significance ought not to be determined in any significant way, upon the basis of how they look. There is a desirable beauty in the book of Proverbs that goes beyond the physical. These fathers speaking to these sons knew these young men and their tendency. They had a tendency to overdose on the physical. They had a tendency to define beauty in a very narrow way in terms of a girl's figure or shape 
or the color of her hair or the complexion of her skin. And these fathers say to these young men, don't do that because charm is deceitful. Beauty, physical form is passing. But the fear of God in the heart of a woman, godly character, find that kind of woman and praise God for her and praise her for her devotion to God. Noble character and abiding virtue is the issue. Listen to these words from Alistair Begg in his book on marriage. A wise man looks for a woman who possesses a natural radiance rather than a glow that comes from a bottle. It is less important to find a woman whose beauty comes from time spent in front of a parlor mirror than someone who is regularly before the mirror of the Word of God. See, his point is there's a debatable beauty and there's a desirable beauty and the debatable beauty is outside, the desirable beauty is inside and every young man ought to be looking for that and every young woman. Well, to help you think that through, let me talk to you about the Proverbs 31 woman. And these are the desirable beauty characteristics that ought to mark someone worthy of your devotion and dependence for life. The Proverbs 31 woman, we're going over now to chapter 31 in the very passage where we're warned not to overdose on the physical. Now you can imagine this is a passage we could spend a whole day on, but I'm going to take the ladies quickly through six characteristics that mark a, a virtuous woman, an excellent woman, a woman whose worth is far above rubies, a woman whose husband's heart trusts in her. A woman whose children will rise up and call her blessed. A woman who fears God and is to be praised. The first thing about her in terms of virtue is, I want you to see her faithfulness. Here's what you ought to be looking for. Faithfulness. Proverbs 31 verse 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's trustworthy. You can depend upon her. She has a character that's marked by integrity and trustworthiness. She can be depended upon. Remember the book of Proverbs told us elsewhere, an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth or a sprained ankle. Same with an unfaithful woman. It's a terrible thing to have to go through life depending upon someone you can't depend on, isn't it? And these fathers sit down, their sons across the kitchen table with a cup of coffee in hand and say, hey, I want to talk to you about a few things. You're looking for a good woman. And I'm sure you're attracted to a particular woman. Here's what you've got to look for beyond the physical form. Faithfulness. Her abilities and character breeds confidence. Secondly, not only faithfulness, but industry. Look at verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. And on and on it goes, telling you about this woman, busy about the house, active. She makes full use of her day. She's not a woman to waste ideas or abilities. She puts them to full use for the benefit of her home, to the blessing of her children, to the enhancement of her husband, to the good of her neighborhood. Look at verse 27. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman is, is always building and making things happen. She's contributing in a positive way. And she not only contributes in a positive way, she contributes with a positive attitude. Remember we saw back in Proverbs 19, 13, and 14 that a nagging wife is like the dripping of water upon a stone. 
She's not only positive in her actions, she's positive in her attitude. She's faithful. She's industrious. Number three, looking at a woman's character, kindness marks her. Look at verse 12. She does her husband good and not evil. She's got the best intentions for her husband. She wants to please him, prosper him all the days of her life and his life. Look at verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. Look at verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. This woman's character is marked by compassion. In fact, her happiness is putting a smile on another person's face who needed her help. And these fathers are saying to these sons, get excited about a woman like this. Remember what we said? Godliness is sexy. Righteousness, faithfulness, industry, kindness, these are the things that ought to excite a young man who's got his head screwed on biblically. Number four, excellence. Look at verse 29. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. This man, talking about this woman, recognizes there are great women out there, but he believes he got the best one. He got the pick of the bunch. And you know what? Every man can feel that about his wife. And every man ought to make his wife feel that way. But this, this woman has an excellence about her. Whatever she does, she does well. She's not sloppy. Look at verse 27. She watches over the ways of her household. And she's got taste. Look at verse 22. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. You know, I don't want you to get the image of this woman. She's busy about the house, but you're not going to find her in flip-flops and, um, you know, with an apron on and her, her rollers in her hair and she's just, you know, a nightmare and the kids are scared to look at her and they're up in their bedroom. That's not the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, there may be times when she's kind of got her working clothes on, maybe her slacks or her loose-fitting you know, clothes. But when you meet her too, or go into her home, you're going to take a look at her curtains. Going to be good quality curtains. The house is going to look well, and she herself is going to be dressed well. She's a woman of taste and distinction. She's a woman of excellence. She just doesn't settle for mediocrity, either in what she does or how she goes about things. Fifthly, stability. This woman's marked by faithfulness, industry, kindness, excellence, stability. Look at verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. She wears fine linen. She's well-dressed, but metaphorically speaking, she wears other things too. In terms of her character, she's a strong and honorable woman. And look at her. She shall rejoice in the time to come. That phrase in the Hebrew carries the idea of when bad times come, she's ready for them. She's a strong, stable woman who on good days or bad days is a solid rock for her husband and children. She's no weather vane that's blown around by the changing winds. Her family don't have to ride an emotional roller coaster with her every day. She's tender, but she's tough. I don't mean tough in terms of stoic and just, you know, pulling up her socks and biting her lip. No, she doesn't panic because she knows that her life is rooted in God. She's a woman of integrity, biblical character, and therefore she knows that, you know, on her side of things, she is provided for the home. She knows winter's coming, so she's knitting, getting stuff ready or purchasing linen. She's out like merchant ships, getting whatever's needed for the home. She knows winter's coming. She's done whatever she's going to have to do, and then the rest she leaves with God. If it gets tougher than she expected, she leaves that with God. In fact, come with me to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, 
I want you to read a verse with me that I think has troubled me and I think has troubled many women in terms of its meaning. 1 Peter 3 verse 4, it says, in fact, we'll back up into verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. I listen to theologians and sometimes even listen to like Bill O'Reilly and Fox News, and they give you the idea that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. That the Old Testament is harsh and the New Testament's all about love and kindness. And as if the two Testaments are, dis- there's a disparity between the two. There's not. It's one God who's speaking the one truth. And here you've got the same theme coming through that we find in the book of Proverbs. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself physically, looking attractive. This is not a prohibition not to wear gold or silver. It's simply saying, ladies, don't fixate on that. Remember that God looks upon the heart. So let your beauty be hidden, this incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. What does that mean to be gentle and quiet spirited? I don't think it means that a woman's a wallflower. I don't think it means she's got to zip her lip anytime her husband speaks, that she can't enter upon the discussion about where the family's going. I don't think it means she can't challenge her husband about his behavior. I think what it means is what we read back in Proverbs. She's a woman of quiet confidence in God. She's not easily disturbed. She's not all over the map emotionally. She's quiet. She's got a composed spirit because like the holy women of old, she's trusting in God. Therefore, a godly woman who is fearing God, being faithful, kind, excellent, hard working, is a stable woman because she trusts what she cannot do to God's keeping. Looking to Mary, Part 3, that's the title of today's message on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. And there's more to come. We'll continue our study in Proverbs tomorrow. You can also request a CD or USB copy of the complete message when you go online to ktt.org. And Philip will be back in a moment, so keep listening. At Know the Truth, our mission is to share the gospel with a world in need of truth through clear and compelling Bible teaching. And one of the ways we do that is by providing written resources to our listeners. This month, to help you in your efforts to share the gospel, we want to invite you to share one of Pastor Phillips' books with a friend or family member of your choice. Because when you share KTT, you share truth. The book is called Take Cover, Finding Peace in God's Protection. Philip, why don't you take a moment and tell us more about the book? Absolutely, Wayne. You know, the genesis of this book comes out of my time as a police officer in Northern Ireland. Not all our listeners realize, but during the 1980s, I worked as a police officer in Belfast during the Troubles in Northern Ireland when that community was in civil conflict and on the verge of civil war. And I had to learn to take refuge and find my shelter in God's promise in Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. And I want to communicate that to other believers who are living in a very dangerous and upsetting world where we have the rise of crime, terrorism is still with us, we see aggressive secularism, and we feel that we're engaged much more manifestly in spiritual warfare. But as this book will teach, true security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. I learned that, and we all need to learn that. And this book will call Christians to take refuge in God and will remind them of his promises to protect. 
So I can't wait to be able to share it with someone you know who's in need of God's peace. Wayne is going to tell you how you can request it. Wayne. Sure, Philip. When you give a generous one-time gift or sign up to give monthly as a Truth Ambassador, we'll send a copy of Philip's book, Take Cover, to a friend or family member of your choice. Just select that friend and we'll send it to them. Also, you'll receive your own copy of the book, What God Wants Every Dad to Know, The Most Important Principles You Can Teach Your Child. This book provides clear and practical biblical insight from the book of Proverbs and equips fathers to lead their children to live each day faithfully. Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Well, I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and there's more Bible teaching from Philip DeCourcy coming up on tomorrow's broadcast. Hear more wisdom about looking to Mary Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.